everybody and welcome back to the Creative Kindergarten Podcast. My name is Amanda and I'm an early childhood educator in Ontario, Canada and this is a podcast where I can talk about all things kindergarten. I pick a topic for that week and I can share my ideas, my thoughts, my learning around that topic and I love having this space to really have that professional reflection that I think is so important for educators to have and this has provided me that outlet to really dive deep into like what I do and why I do it and is it best practices and as a professional I'm constantly learning evolving and changing what I do in the classroom and I think that that's so important I don't think that um, anybody should be shamed for you know changing their thoughts around how to teach something or how to run a classroom or if they learn something new and they want to change something You know, that's the beauty of professional development and professional learning and growing as a professional, even as a person, you get to change your practice in the classroom and become an even better educator for your students. And this podcast is just a place for me to, you know, dive into those topics that are, you know, really important for kindergarten educators. And um, this is kind of a long introduction because I'm really excited that this week is actually the 100th episode of the Creative Kindergarten Podcast, which just kind of is mind-boggling and doesn't seem real to me. Uh, I'm so excited that I was able to continue doing this for so long, and I'm going to take a pause right now and really thank my husband who edits every single one of the podcast episodes. Uh, There's no way I would have been able to, you know, uh, keep up with doing a podcast every week if it wasn't for him he edits all of them and makes sure that you know all my pauses and my stutters are taken out or if I say something that you know isn't exactly how I wanted to say it he's able to change that for me um he really uh makes sure that this podcast goes really my part of it is I go into a room and I talk and he does all the magic behind editing and posting it so he's currently listening to this because he needs to edit this episode as well so thank you so much And without him, there'd be no podcast. So really, this is, I've talked for 100 episodes, but he has edited 100 episodes of this podcast. And I know he does a fantastic job. So um, shout out to him for making 100 episodes possible. Uh, It's really, I'm proud of what we've been able to do. And I'm proud that I have this space where I can be really open to learning and changing and growing along with, you know, the learning that I'm doing. Because you know, if I was to go back and re-listen to a hundred episodes of this podcast, there's probably things that I would have said, you know, a year or two ago that maybe now I'm like, oh, I know a better way to do this or I've learned something that contradicts this. And, you know, a podcast is a really static thing. Once you put it, you know, you hit, um, re- you release it, I guess. I don't know. You, you hit release. <laughs> um, once you release it, into the world like there's I can't go back I guess you could really go back and you know take off the audio but I don't think there's a way to go back and edit the podcast uh so really it's a very static um snapshot of my thoughts and my opinions and my ideas at that point in time and like I said at the top of this episode you know those thoughts and ideas are constantly changing as they should. So, you know, having a podcast is kind of in a vulnerable state where you're sharing all of these things, but, you know, 
I don't know everything, nor should I know everything. I think that would be impossible. And there are lots of experts out there and there's lots of learning to do around every kind of topic and, um, you know, thing in kindergarten. And so uh, being able to have these really thoughtful um, reflection opportunities is, you know, changing my practice for the better. And I think it has made me a better educator. So thank you to my husband for editing all of them, but also thank you to everybody who listens to the podcast, because if there was no audience listening to the podcast, I, you know, why would I keep going? But, you know, having an audience that tunes in every week and sends me really nice messages about listening to the episodes and things like that, it just makes it worth doing and also like validates that there are others out there that want to have these conversations and these reflections as well. So thank you to you as well for listening in on 100 episodes. Um, to celebrate the 100th episode of the podcast, I want to do a giveaway and it's going to be a giveaway just for the people who are listening. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a like a Google form in the show notes of this episode. I'll also post it to my Instagram but in the Google form, I'm going to be asking for your email so I can contact you if you win. But I'm also going to be asking you for a special like uh, passcode or a special word that I'm going to give out at some point during this podcast episode. So you have to listen to the podcast to be able to enter to win the giveaway prize, which is going to be um, three books that I love, love, love having in my classroom. These three books... Um, are really uh, fantastic books to have that are, you know, what I keep saying and I've talked about multiple times, windows, mirrors, and sliding glass doors for the students that are in your um, your classroom. So they reflect the students that we have and they provide windows for students to look into the lived experiences of others and there's sliding glass doors where they can walk in and experience things um, that they have not experienced before. So the three books that I have chosen for this giveaway are the first one is where are you from by jamie kim uh brown the many shades of love by nancy johnson james and constance moore and the last one is our favorite day of the year by a e alley and these three books i have used this year uh to talk about you know uh the the book brown the many shades of love we did a whole exercise around uh, finding our skin color and drawing self-portraits using our skin color and talking about all the different shades of brown that were in our we have the Crayola uh, colors of the world crayons and talking about all the different shades and to this day the students will hold up the pencil crayons to their skin when they're picking a shade that they want to use when they're drawing a picture of themselves and so it was some really powerful and great things happening out of Brown, The Many Shades of Love. The book, Where Are You From? was a starting off point for us talking to our students about where they were from. We put up a big map in our classroom and each student brought in a family picture and we put, you know, pins and um, pieces of yarn showing all the different places that the students in our classroom come from. And then our favorite day of the year is a great starting off point for talking about the different celebrations in the classroom and celebrating all year long with your students uh, the different days, the different special days that they celebrate. So those three books, again, I love having them in our classroom library. They are powerful. And so one person is going to win a copy of all three books. Um, I'm opening this to Canada and US residents just for shipping purposes. And if you win, 
um, you're going to have to be able to give me an address that I can ship these to. So please be open to giving me your address. I promise I'm just sending you these and then I will immediately forget what your address is, but I will be um, shipping you those three books. And yeah, I will put in the show notes a link to a Google form where you'll be able to give me your email and the special word that will be coming up some point in this podcast episode. And yeah, I better get started on talking about the actual topic, like 10 minutes into this introduction, I better get started talking about what we are going to be discussing for our 100th episode. All right, when thinking about what I wanted to talk about for this episode of the podcast, I had a really hard time like narrowing down a topic. Uh, I was thinking that it'd be really fun to go back to the first episode of the podcast and like do a revisited of the first episode. And so I scrolled all the way back to the first episode of the Creative Kindergarten podcast and it's about our first day of school. So it kind of just would not have meshed with like middle of February. Um, So instead I went, I think it's the third episode of the podcast where I talk about like centers and how we do centers. And these are questions that I get constantly um, over on my Instagram most of the time. I share a lot of, you know, tabletop activities that we do in the classroom. Sometimes I get to work early and if I'm there early enough, what I can do, I do like a tour of our tabletop centers for that day. And every time I do that, I get like a slew of messages asking me like different questions. So I thought it'd be a fun idea for me to like talk about our traditional quote-unquote tabletop centers that we have in the classroom and just answer some of my most frequently asked asked questions that I get when I talk about tabletop centers Um, because uh, I think that's like the biggest leap for any educator that's coming into a kindergarten classroom whereas you know in the I'm going to again, quote this, older grades, you know, they would be more independently working at their own desks and there wouldn't be so much different like centers for them to choose from. So I'm going to just go through my list of questions that I'm getting on the regular. And of course, if after you listen to this podcast episode, you have any other questions, like I can totally do a part two to this if there's any that I'm missing. So make sure you send me your questions or you know if you do it a different way and you have different reasonings again this is a this is supposed to be like a reflective practice when I'm doing these podcast episodes so please if um, you have a different way of doing things that you like that works really well you can also tell me about that as well you can find me over on Instagram I'm creative kindergarten blog on TPT it'll like populate itself once you start typing that big long word in but I'm mostly found on Instagram if you want to reach out to me. The first question I get asked all the time. Oh, I'm going to preface this before I even jump into this. I know that a lot of educators are still working under COVID precautions and um, COVID protocols within their classroom that has been set out by their school or their their school board or their district or whatever. So I'm talking in really generalized terms. Our classroom at the moment is pretty quote-unquote normal. Um, We try to make sure our kids are socially distanced, but with the amount of students that we have in our classroom, that's not always entirely possible. Um, We do have frequent hand washing and masks and disinfecting happening in the classroom, but our tabletop centers are run pretty much how they would be 
um, like any other year at the moment. So I'm just going to preface that with this. With that, I know that there's a lot of educators that can't necessarily do what I'm going to be talking about um, at the moment. And that's okay. Like you have to follow the safety precautions and protocols that are in place. So I'm not in any way like even saying that this is the right way to do it in general. I'm just saying that this is what is working for my group this year. Because again, I've said this before, every year, every group of students you know, you have to meet the, their needs and where they are at. And that could be different even month to month. So this is what's working for us right now and what has worked in the past for the students that I have had. So uh, yeah, I'm just going to get into the first um, one that I get asked a lot. And it is, do I separate math and literacy? So a lot of educators do, you know, math centers and literacy centers, and there's like a very clear distinction between the two. Sometimes the literacy or math centers happen in the morning, and then the opposite one happens in the afternoon. And honestly, that's what used to happen in my classroom. We would set up literacy centers in the morning and then set up math centers in the afternoon. And my growing and my my growth as a professional has come to understand that, you know, these things can happen at the same time and should be happening at the same time. This is not, I'm not talking about like whole group, like teaching them about a concept. I'm talking about like the practice, practicing the skills that they've been taught. So, you know, I will still explicitly teach them literacy skills and explicitly teach them math skills during some kind of whole group activity or lesson. But then the tabletop centers that they're doing, you know, independently or semi-independently, to practice those skills, you know, there will be a mix of mass, math and literacy between the two. Um, I used to separate the two, but to be honest, switching ma- literacy centers to math centers in the afternoon is a lot of work. And so first of all, it's just a lot of work and doesn't need to happen because, you know, math and literacy learning can happen at the same time. And at least in Ontario, our math and literacy um, part in our program is combined. And so there shouldn't be a, not shouldn't be, I don't think that there needs to be a distinction between math learning and literacy learning. It's all learning for our students. It's all reinforcing the skills that they've learned. And usually when they're like reinforcing a math skill, they're also using some literacy skills and vice versa. So I'm just going to throw that out there that no, we do not separate math and literacy skills at our tabletop centers. They happen at the same time in all areas of the classroom throughout the day. And so that was, that's always the first question I get asked. The next question I get asked a lot is, are students allowed to pick where they go? Like, are they allowed to just pick the table that they're at? And the answer is yes. We do free choice centers. Um, Again, this is what has worked um, for my students and myself in the past. And I will continue to do this until maybe there is a group that, you know, this does not work for. students can pick their own learning. So um, there sometimes are some centers or some tabletop centers or a guided table that is a must-do center for that day for whatever reason. You know, sometimes we're making something that we need to send home to families for family day and they have to come and do it because it's not a choice. I need you guys to get this done. We want to send it home for family day. Um, Like those things happen or, you know, I have a guided writing group and I need you to come at some point today. Um, Usually I give the students a heads up that that's a must do center. So like I'll be like, this is a must do center for the day. 
And so at some point today, you're going to have to come here. And a lot of the times when I call them over, they're like, oh yeah, that's that must do center. I'm like, yeah, it's a must do. And they're fine. I haven't had a ton of students really um, hate, like tell me no a lot of the time. Sometimes if I know they're at a really preferred activity, I will give them like a warning. And I will say, you know, I have three students here with me. Once they leave, I need you to come and do this t- this center with me. Um, and so they have like that warning that's coming or I'll say like, hey, in five minutes, I need you to come over here and do this center. If I see that they're really engrossed in something that they're doing somewhere else, I try not to bother them. I usually like snatch kids. And that seems, sounds like a really bad way to say that. But I usually like call kids over when I see they're transitioning from one center to the other. So if they're done playing in the sensory bin and we have frequent hand washing, so they go to wash their hands. I usually say, after you're done washing your hands, come over to this table. And so it kind of like brings them over when they're already transitioning from one activity to the other. I try not to break them out of learning that they're doing at another center unless it's something that like I just need to get done. But I try to um, limit the amount of times that I pull them out of the learning that they that they're finding important at that time. Right. So that's my first thing. It is definitely free choice centers with the caveat that there might sometimes just be a center that they have to do. And, you know, we're at school, we're at school to learn. And there's just sometimes that there's things that students have to come and practice a skill that needs to be guided, needs to be done, or just an activity that you need to have done as an educator. There's always like those little things and that's okay. I pull them for that. And yeah, other than that, I don't really limit where they go or how many centers they try or how long they stay at an activity. Uh, I also get asked a lot like, well, what if they will never leave the building center? Like if I let my kids, he'll just stay there all day. He'll just stay at the building center all day or she'll stay at the cars all day. And I get it. Like there are some students, you know, that I have a group of students this year that love playing with cars, but you know, they cannot stay there all day. They need to share the materials that are in our classroom And I'll say like, hey, we have a ton of kids today that want to use the car. So every group gets 10 minutes to play with the cars and then we'll rotate if you. So that's one way I solve the problem. Another way I solve the problem is I'll say, okay, we need to, you know, learn. uh, We're learning to practice our self-regulation skills. So we need to make sure that we're trying out lots of different learning throughout the day. And that's a skill that they need to learn is self-regulation. That is something that you are teaching them. So sometimes if I know like, they will spend the whole day at cars. I will say before you go to cars, you will be able to go to cars. Don't worry. Um, can we pick a different, a different kind of center to try first? And that's also worked really well for me as well. Or if I notice that the day before they spent most of the day at cars, I'll say yesterday you spent a lot of days a day, a lot of the day at the cars. Can we give somebody else a turn with cars and can we do something else together for now? And sometimes that's enough to get them to try some different learning for the day. So there's lots of different ways I address it. Depends on the student, depends on the days, depends on what I need them to do. You know, some days they want to spend the whole day at cars. Great. Have fun. I, that's fine with me. Um, like there, it just, it really depends on the student, the day and what's happening. Um, if it's five days a week where they just spend the whole day at a specific center, I would, you know, really start reinforcing those self-regulation skills and talking about how we can self-regulate and how we can choose different learning for ourselves and, you know, play with different friends and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's never become, such a massive problem that it has like overtaken my classroom. 
uh, I just, you know, address it as a, as an, as, as an, as needed basis. Is that the right way to say that? And yeah, I've never really had uh, major issues with having students just try out different things. Before I go into the next question, I'm going to give you the secret passcode thingy that you're going to enter into the Google form in order to win the three books that I talked about at the beginning of this episode. So when you go in and fill out the form that's going to give me your email to win, I'm going to say, what is the secret word? And the secret word is creative, as in creative kindergarten, just creative. If you put creative kindergarten, that's fine as well, but just type in the word creative for the secret passcode. All right, now I'm going to go on to the next question that I get asked a lot. And this one um, has come up quite frequently uh, throughout my time over on Instagram. And that is, do you have separate time between when students can play and when students do centers? And I understand what these educators are asking me when they ask me this question. And my answer is play for children is learning. So there is no distinction between play and learning in my classroom. And so I, what I think that people are asking when they really ask this question is, do we have, you know, more traditional toys like the cars? And do we have more traditional centers like I say traditional, but like more, um, you know, hands-on centers like the building center and the dramatic play and the sensory bin and all those kind of, uh, you know, material centers, like actual like equipment involved centers. Are those separate times from when students are engaged in tabletop, like more skill-based activities that are, again, I'm putting this in quote, traditional learning in a classroom, like those math and literacy skills. No, there is no separate play time. There is no separate time for students to engage in those kinds of activities from the tabletop centers. Like I said in the previous answer, uh, to like f- my students are learning to self-regulate. So the cars will be out at the same time that, uh, you know, my guided writing center is out or, you know, there's a center to practice measuring skills. Um, there's, we don't hardly ever close centers with the caveat that sometimes we do close the painting center when it's a just a disaster zone and we need to like reset the paints and you know the paintbrushes and all that kind of stuff and we just haven't had time sometimes the the painting center just gets a little bit crazy so we have to make sure that we like clean it up so sometimes the kids will be like oh is the art easel open i'll be like oh no i forgot to put new paint out or something and i just don't have a second right now so like things like that do happen and so that just means like that art easel won't be open, but everything else is usually open all the time. I tried to switch out. We have like a, a, like a large floor area that kids can play at. So sometimes there's blocks there. Sometimes a B-Bot is there. Sometimes the cars are there. So like there's lots of different materials that end up in that space. So, you know, the cars might not be open at the same time as a block area, but that's just because we've had to spread things out because of COVID. That's just like a logistics and like, 
like we we're limited by the actual like physical space we have in our classroom so that might be limited but other than that like everything is just open learning is play for or play is learning for our students and it's really important to give them opportunities to practice the different skills that they need to be successful human beings in the classroom and that includes social skills problem solving skills all of those um, really important skills that students learn through play um, we need to make sure that they're having opportunities to practice that as well. So yeah, tabletop centers and everything else is open all at the same time. Again, completely free choice, um, free flow. They get to go to a center, stay there for as long as they want, and then switch when they need to. Um, again, because of COVID protocols, there is a limit on how many students are allowed at a center at a time, just to try to limit just how close they are for extended periods of time. And again, we are limited by the space in our classroom. So like literally, I don't think any more than two kids could fit into our dramatic play center right now, but that is just logistically how it is. Um, and the same thing with our sensory bin, like just safety wise, we wouldn't want more than two kids there and just to make sure they weren't hurting themselves. But other than that, like uh, the kids just get to play and have fun and learn alongside. And then I also get asked like, oh, if they're allowed to free play all the time, how do you ever get, you know, um, your kids to sit down and write with you and again I don't really have a huge problem with getting students to come and write do all will all students choose to come and write every day no and am I okay with that of course I am and as an educator I'm keeping my eye on each individual student I'm documenting you know what their interests are how they're playing what they're learning what their learning looks like what they're like if we're talking about a writing skill, what their writing looks like. And I'm like keeping that in the back of my mind when I'm planning opportunities and when I'm, you know, doing my guided groups. Um, for writing, I always find class books to be my number one way to get students excited to write. If I tell them it's going to be a book and I'm going to bind it and bring it to school and bring it to our classroom library, like that gets them on board, like right away. I don't know what it is about books and they are like two weeks after putting them out, they are destroyed. They love reading these books. And so, um, yeah, class books are always a way. I keep an eye out for like what they're really interested in writing about and what they're really interested in doing. And I try to plan, you know, experiences based on what they're interested in, if that makes sense. And then again, like I said at the beginning, there are sometimes there are must do centers. And a lot of the times, like there are certain math centers or certain literacy centers that become a must do center. Sometimes there's a fine motor activity. And I know there's like a few of my students who struggle with fine motor skills. That fine motor activity might become a must do center for that child. Um, I frame it in a way that's a lot nicer than that, I guess. Um, sometimes I'll be like, oh, come over and try this out. I'd love to see how you would do this activity, so and so. And again, I try not to interrupt a learning that they're already doing. Um, I try to, you know, catch them on their way to and from a different center or whatever it is. So yeah, I just try to make the interesting learning for them really engaging so that they're excited to go there. I don't really have a huge issue getting students to practice the skills that they need to. And if they're playing, they're practicing skills that they need anyways. So I do not separate math and literacy centers, traditional tabletop centers from quote unquote playtime, which if you are in Ontario might sound like ice time. I forget what the acronym stands for, but it's like investigation, communication, exploration, I feel like. And it's 
and it's basically just time for students to just play with more traditional toys in the classroom. Um, we do not have this kind of time in our classroom. I'm just going to throw that out there for anybody who's wondering. I think it's, I've heard a lot of educators call it ice time in the past. So I'll, for any Ontario educators that are wondering, we do not have ice time in our classroom. All right, I think I'm on my last question, but another question I get asked a lot is if, uh, or not if, but how long do we keep centers out for? So if I set up a, a center and, you know, do I keep it for just the one day? Does it go out for two days? Does it go out all week? So there's lots of different people that do this different ways. And I mean, again, whatever works for you and your students is what is best for you and your students. But for us, we plan activities that we put out in the morning and they last, you know, we give them a large chunk of time in the morning and a large chunk of time in the afternoon to go to those centers. And then um, we evaluate whether or not those centers would be good enough to stay. So if a center has had like has been really popular with my students and the seats were always full and not everybody got a chance to do it of course I'm going to keep that out the next day and maybe another day after that the students are really excited to see it again of course I'm going to keep it out an extra day so it really like if their interest is high in the activity then I will keep it out for a couple of days and then the opposite of the spectrum is true as well. If I even throughout the day, if I'm noticing that there is a table where there are zero students at, people could not care less about this activity, then that just tells me like, hey, I need to switch this out. And usually I just take it away. It could be in the middle of the day. Take it away and put something else that is, you know, more interesting to my students. Um, my kids this year love puzzles, like absolutely love puzzles. So usually if I need to switch out an activity real quick, I'll just throw some puzzles out on the table and um, that'll get their interest up high again because they love to do a good puzzle. Um, so yeah, it, it really just depends on the interest level. And then if it's an activity that can be like reused, um, so I don't even know. I'm trying to think of something, but, um, let's say a roll and write activity or a stack, like I've written sight words on cups and students can stack them or on Jenga pieces and students can stack them and write the letters that they've stacked, all those kinds of things. Um, usually they'll come out every few weeks. So I won't like, I'll put them out on, let's say a beginning of February and then they'll stay in the cupboard for a couple weeks and I'll come back out again and maybe I'll put a different book along with it or I'll give them a different challenge to do with it or things like that um, just so that you know it keeps the interest in the activity alive it's a material that we can reuse and um, the students know what to do with it as well so it's a lot easier to explain to them and yeah so those kinds of activities get reused all throughout the year, but they might only stay out for one day at a time, maybe two, if like students are really interested in them, that could happen as well. But yeah, it, it really depends on the activity and the interest level of the students for me to um, keep it out in activity or not over a couple days. Usually writing activities, if it's like a, a writing center, will usually have to stay out for at least two days for me to be able to get through all of the students um, just because, you know, we want to give the time uh, for every student to be able to write what they need to write. So um, usually writing activities uh, stay out for a couple days. But yeah, other than that, maybe one day and then switch it up and then take it back out again a couple weeks later. So I hope that answers 
a lot of your questions around how centers are run in the classroom. I hope that I was able to give a clear picture of what happens um, throughout the day. Uh, if you have any other questions, you need me to clarify something, please make sure you send me a message over on Instagram or you can send me an email. If you go to my blog, you can click on like contact and it just sends me an email. You can reach out to me that way. Again, I've said this before in previous po- podcast episodes. So if you've heard this, I apologize. You can also send me a Facebook message through my Facebook Creative Kindergarten I don't know if I get all of those messages. So if you've messaged me through there, I apologize. I don't understand. I'm very techie and I understand social media pretty, pretty well. I don't understand how the Facebook messaging system works. I I, like sometimes like I'll get a notification that somebody sent me a Facebook message and I have no idea where it goes. (laughs) So it just disappears. And so I don't know if that's me, if that's Facebook or what. So please, you can try messaging me through Facebook, but if I don't get back to you right away, please know that I just have no idea how. And you can always like reach out to me through Instagram or through my my email. Those are two really great ways to contact me. Uh, I will put all of the links for that in the show notes, along with the link to enter the giveaway for those three books. I'm going to give you the passcode again, or the secret word, whatever we're calling it. Um, It's creative. And so only people who have listened to this podcast episode will be able to enter that giveaway, which is a little exciting for me because that means that people who actually listen to me blather on for 30 minutes um, every week get to enter this uh, giveaway. And yeah, these books are just fantastic. I will also mention that over on my Instagram, uh, this is an exciting week for me. I'm reaching 15,000 followers on Uh, my Instagram page. So I'm also doing a giveaway over there. So if you want a chance to win some other great prizes, including another book that I found that was like recently released that I found that is pretty um, fun and exciting, uh, make sure you're following me. I think I was like, before I started this podcast, I was five followers away from reaching 15,000 followers. And so I'll be hosting a giveaway over there as well. So you have a chance to enter two giveaways this week um, for books and materials for your classroom, which is so much fun. Again, before I end this 100th episode of the podcast, I want to say thank you so much for joining me again this week. I will be back next week with the 101st episode of the podcast. I, I try to put out new episodes every Tuesday. Sometimes I take some breaks when I need to, but every Tuesday. And thank you so much for joining me. Make sure you are subscribed so you know whenever I put out new podcast episodes. And I will talk to you all again next time. Bye!